0: Good morning. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and she greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Then Elizabeth said to herself, But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then she returned home.
1: Well, that reading has Mary and Elizabeth in their run up to the birth of Jesus, and you can see the excitement that both of them have. Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. The baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a palpable sense of something amazing that's about to happen, and it's the same reaction that children have when they think of Santa coming, all the presents and the magic that's about to appear. I can... I can remember lying in bed, trying to hear the bells of the reindeer coming onto our roof. And I said to my brother, can you hear it? I'm sure, you know, we were literally listening for it with the most incredible excitement. We were convinced that we were going to catch him in the act of arriving. And Mary puts that excitement into words. Words that had become known as the Magnificat, because That's the first word of the Latin translation, magnificat, anime, mea, dominum. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And you can hear Mary is absolutely exultant saying how lucky she is, and a sense that she truly feels blessed. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in his innermost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. There's a huge gratitude there for the sense of provision, that all she has is given to her by that divine nature, and it really is the true response to Christmas. We're not just celebrating the coming of the Christ, but we're actually celebrating everything that we have. And in one sense, you know, when you think about it, you could say that God does not bring down the rulers from their thrones. He does not fill the hungry with good things or send the rich away empty. But I think this is both what Mary is saying is both a prayer and a prophecy. It is Mary saying that all will be well, as Julian of Norwich said, and all manner of things will be well. I heard on the radio the other day someone saying you know that in the end all will be well and if it's not well then it's not the end and I thought that's a lovely sense of of what that's about and you know it's about that fundamental order that we can rely on and you know I don't know about you but you know you turn on the news on Christmas Day and we're, we're always faced with awful headlines you know, of Bethlehem not being a little town of which we can say how still we see thee lie. We have to witness atrocities and cruelties and somehow still sing joy to the world. And it's a paradox to have to live, for us to have to live through these interesting times and yet still say that the universe is a friendly place, that there is some sort of order in the world. And, you know, I think it's the same for Mary, you know, pregnant... No husband, having to take a long and arduous journey, finding nowhere to stay. It's like going to Denver when all the hotels are booked up and the flights are not there, you know. Nowhere to stay. Poor and probably right at the bottom of the social scale. You know, she even eventually had to become a refugee to Egypt so that her child would not be killed by Herod. And yet she seems optimistic. And I think as we come to Christmas... How do we have the optimism in our hearts when we see the chaos that's around us? You know, we can be happy and contented with our family and friends around us, with our community here in the valley, but what about further than that? What about the injustice and pain that we know that exists? The fact is that, you know, we don't often feel that exaltation and the things that, go wrong in our lives, you know, don't really encourage us to go towards that exaltation. Yet that wonderful phrase, if not us, who? And if not now, when? Christmas, I don't think, should be a time just to escape from pain and injustice. A short moment where we can indulge ourselves before we move back into the coldness of the real world. It's a reminder to us that we are in touch with something marvelous that goes beyond the circumstances of our lives. That there truly is a secret that needs to be trumpeted from the hilltops. That we're not all separate people fighting each other in a cold world that cares little for the individual. We're not that. That we, that we are part of a web connected by an all-powerful love that gives life and love to all, whether they know it or not. And it's right there in that Christmas reading in John about the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. That's, that's the world. The light does shine in the darkness. Those of us that know that. But the darkness has not understood it. And, and that's where Mary was at, I think. She understood it. And many of us have understood it. And we are asked to say, Magnificat anima mea dominum. Well, not in Latin, obviously. My soul glorifies the Lord. But how hard it is to say that when things go wrong, which, let's face it, is often. You know, if we're true to the Magnificat, then it's not just something to say in good times. We must be able to say it, I think, in all times. And that means being prepared not to be brought low by the circumstances that happen in our lives but rather know that although that we do feel pain our responsibility is to respond to that pain with surrender as i said last week literally the week before literally surrender sir over render surrender sir over render to give and so surrender means to give over to give over that pain to the love that holds all things together. We give over that pain to the love that holds all things together. And there's wonderful words by Khalil Gilbran, which I'm just going to repeat. There's fantastic words on pain. He says, "'Your pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. Even as the stone of the fruit must break, that its heart may stand in the sun, so must you know pain.'" And could you keep your heart at wonder, at the daily miracles of your life, your pain would not seem less wondrous than your joy. And you would accept the seasons of your heart, even as you've always accepted the seasons that pass over the fields. And you would watch with serenity through the winters of your grief. Much of your pain is self-chosen. It is the bitter potion by which the physician within you heals your sick self. Therefore, trust the physician and drink his remedy in silence and tranquility. For his hand, though heavy and hard, is guided by the tender hand of the unseen. And the cup he brings, though it burns your lips, has been fashioned of the clay which the potter has moistened with his own sacred tears. So there's a sense that that pain does lead us. God comes to us in the circumstances of our lives, and and God asks us to respond to her rather than those circumstances. The circumstances are but seasons within the year of love, and we have to surrender to that love. And it's really about dying to our expectations, to accept the death that we experience when... What we don't want comes about. We experience a death when what we don't want comes about. And we have to accept that, to have that death, and to move on from it. You know, all life is, in fact, a preparation for that final death. If we fight death, we're continually battling with it. If we surrender, if we give over, if we give over to that love, which is under all, then we're released. Which is why I think Dylan Thomas is completely wrong in his poem, Go Gentle Into That Good Night. He says, do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rage to the close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. I want to say no, you're completely wrong. It's the drink talking. Surrender, surrender give it over, have the light enter now, and give it over, you know, those thoughts of death. That's the attitude that Mary is suggesting to us. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich of empty. And if it's not that, then it's not over. There is a fundamental order, a force for good, for all the evolution of all things. And we have a role in representing that. Christmas is not just a time to exalt, It's a time to remember that exaltation is our default position in life. That whatever is thrown our way, our role is not to be brought down by it, but to meet it with an overwhelming love that will transmit itself to all creation and therefore make a contribution to the evolution of love in the world. That's our purpose in life. And that's why the Christmas story is heralded as such an epoch-making event. Why it's heralded by shepherds and kings and why it's feared by tyrants. Because it's a story of love coming into the world and changing it. A story of love coming into the world, of changing it. Love coming into the world in spite of the oppression of the Roman Empire. The fact that there's no room in the inn. The crudeness of the stable. The very worst conditions. And yet love came through. And the lesson is for us to bear in the same way, you know, to give birth to that love in our lives. You know, Psalm 23 is always, you know, it's read at memorials. But it is a psalm about The goodness of love, that it's not over if it's not good. Listen. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's a prayer and a prophecy. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is the love that we're asked to give birth to. Because that was the love that was told about through the Christmas story. And our role is to be that love to those around us to glorify the Lord, to be mindful of the humble state of those around us. Our role is to scatter the proud, to bring down the rulers from their thrones. Our role is to lift up the humble, and our role is to fill the hungry with good things, remembering to be merciful. That description is the description of the love that we are asked to model in the world. Christmas is our reminder of what it's all about to be exultant in that love and to realize that this love can move mountains and will change the course of history if we express it in our own lives. Let's pray. Would you pray for our own community here we just think of all those working on the mountains at the moment in the restaurants on the ski lifts ski patrol pray for safety pray for all those visitors for their joy and enjoyment and pray for all those traveling at the moment we think of our world and all the troubled places think of those suffering the fires in Australia those under oppressive regimes, suffering from the, those suffering from the effects of gun violence. Pray for those in prisons, those homeless, alone and hungry at Christmas time. Pray for our leaders, that you will instill in them a sense of your love and a compassion for those around them, that compassion may drive their actions and their words. Pray for everyone at this time of Christmas, that you will give them the compassion for those around them and those far from them. And pray particularly for those in hospital at the moment, those from our community that we remember, Rita Hunter, Heather Morrow, Brett McKenzie, Heidi Horner, Elizabeth Robin Morse and her pregnancy, Nancy Schenkman, who's recovering well from her heart surgery, David Harrod with blood poisoning, Howard Moglower, Petra Kreml, Marianne Boltz, Carolyn Glass' mum, who's ill. And we also remember those who are mourning at the moment. We particularly remember the family of Pat Smith, who died last week. He used to sing in our choir here. And also the family and friends of Michael Abdo. Ask your love to be in the hearts of all those around them. Pray that we may be responsible and able to respond to the needs of others that come to us in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Um, we're going to pass our collection round now. And um, thank you in advance for, for your generosity. And um, Heather's going to play some music uh, while we do that.